You're listening to the SLP Book Club. We're your hosts, Laura Geiser and Adrian Frost. This month, we're reading Take Time for You by Tina Bogren. Let's get into it. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Laura. Welcome back to the SLP Book Club podcast. Today, we're discussing Chapter 4 of our book, Take Time for You by Tina Bogren. This chapter is about belonging. It's the next rung on our ladder, and we're going to get into it in just a minute. But first, we're going to get to know each other today using questions that Tina included in this chapter. Just some conversation starters that she uses when she's training educators, kind of as a group building, get to know you to help the teachers at a school just get to know each other a little more on a personal level. So Adrian. You have the list too. Are you going to start? All right, Laura, if you could live anywhere, where would you live? Okay. I haven't thought deeply about this question, but my favorite place I ever went was in Croatia, an island called Vis. It it was the most beautiful. It was unreal the way this place was. I'm sure it's not like that all the time. I was there during the summer, but I have never been to a place like this. Just sparkling water, amazing people. You just zip around the island on like a moped and shop at little local shops. If I could live there forever with the weather exactly the way it was when I was there, I would. What about you? Where would you live? Lately for me, just a little cottage somewhere like England. Ooh, you want like a, you want to be Kate Winslet in the holiday? <laughs> sort of. I just would like more of a pastoral situation. Like give me a nice little garden with some flowers and a little gate. Love that. That sounds peaceful to me. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter where it is. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Just not here. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't hate it here. You know, it's hot and it's getting hotter lately. Oh, you know, actually, I have a different answer. Ooh, okay. I would love to live in Palm Springs. You just said it's too hot. I know. And that's what made me think about it. Palm Springs is outrageous. But listen, (laughs) it's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. (laughs) It's a dry heat. It's very dry. No, Palm Springs is my favorite place. And I actually love it the best when it's like 118 degrees. As long as you have air conditioning in your house and a pool, you're golden. Okay. Yeah. Love Um, Palm Springs. So yeah, give me a mid-century home in Palm Springs and I would be happy. All right. Adrian, what's your favorite book? It's a very hard question for me, but I have to say... Maybe I would just say like the Harry Potter series as a whole. You know, I go back to them frequently and they're just a really solid standby for me. Fun fact about me, never finished even the first Harry Potter book. Tried to start it a bunch of times. Shame on you. I know. I know. I've tried so many times and I just can't get into it. Have you watched the movies? Yes. Maybe it's just not for you. I'm going to try again. Wow. What about you, Laura? What's your favorite book? My favorite book is... Now I'm seeing all this stuff about it, how it's actually disgusting. It has always been The Time Traveler's Wife. I love The Time Traveler's Wife. And I've watched the movie version. I watched the TV version that came out recently. And once they put it on film, it was awful how this man was visiting his wife when she was a small child. So the child met the man and then she marries him later. It is really gross once you saw it. But when you read about it, it was just like amazing. Yeah. (laughs) 
you know, don't feel shame about your favorite book. It's okay. okay. You don't have to defend it. We did read that in my other book club years ago, and it still comes up. Like, I feel like we just talked about that at our last meeting. Because, you know, there's a pretty, like, gross thing that happens at the end with the feet, you know? Yeah. So, that for some reason, that scene comes up. Yeah, it is. It's horrible. Okay. Adrian. <laughs> yeah? If you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Soup. <laughs> oh, yeah. You love soup. <laughs> <laughs> yes okay it's but not even a little known fact about me it's no. just a fact <laughs> well in grad fact. school you'd always be like oh i've got this soup going at home yes <laughs> in the crock pot even in the summer <laughs> and i'm not talking gazpacho or any cold soup which is weird i'm talking hot soup how about you if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life what would it i think maybe it would be macaroni and cheese like good macaroni and cheese not like craft Restaurant but like real food. big noodles yeah crazy a mixture of a lot of cheeses maybe some type of breadcrumb or i like bread on top of bread on top of bread okay last one okay what would you sing at karaoke night i have this 100 percent. it's the only song i ever sing i always sing hit me with your best shot i'm not a good singer <laughs> but i can just nail it wow <laughs> we should go to like shot. koreatown sometime and really hit like a karaoke Ooh. Spot. get a room okay what do you sing at karaoke night i also have a go-to and it's Love Shack by the B-52. Oh, that's it's a good fun. one. Yeah. It's pretty easy to sing. It gets the party going. Yeah. Know? Well, that's the key. Like you go like, woo. You know, it's <laughs> I mean, here's the tricky thing. I live in L.A. When you go to a karaoke night, there are some bad singers. But for the most part, a lot of the people around are like trying to be actors and singers. So you're up against oh, some... Yeah really good singers i'm just like just don't try to do a song trained, that's trained too serious like you got to just be fun no ballad no no no, no, no mariah carey <laughs> <laughs> no celine <laughs> okay well that is it for our little icebreakers stick around we'll really dig into the chapter after this break At the SLP Book Club, our mission is to learn, grow, and connect with other SLPs and educators. If you love what we're doing, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a rating and review wherever you listen. This helps other SLPs find the show so our community can grow even stronger. We appreciate you so much and hope you keep listening and reading along with us. Okay, welcome back. Let's dig into chapter four of our book, Take Time for You by Tina Bogren. First, Adrian, I realized last episode, we didn't even talk about how our plans have been going. Yes. So I want to really get into, you know, we laid out what we were going to do to meet our physiological needs. Yes two episodes ago and we promised each other that we would be accountability buddies i have it here <laughs> all right tell me how have things been going for you okay. since you've been addressing those needs pretty good overall so my first one i've aimed for but have not hit it most days which is to go to bed by 10 Ooh. i try i'm mostly like a 10 30 but i do think that even just trying to make the effort has helped me be more accountable at least like sort of having a set time I had walk daily and yes, I have been nailing it. I nailed it Monday through Friday this week. I've been just prioritizing it on my lunch break. You know, I head out there, I get going, I try to aim for an hour. Sometimes I only manage 30 minutes, but mostly I've been doing great. So that's been a good achievement. 
make big batches of food. Hmm. Any soups this week? <laughs> uh, actually, yes, I did make a soup on Sunday and it fed me and my sister for two or three days lunches. So actually, yes, I guess I did accomplish that. Do something calming before bed. Yeah, I've been trying to just read in bed, not use my phone. That's been, I would give that a check. Eat more protein. Yeah, I guess. I did make a batch of hard-boiled eggs. Those are a great snack for me. Although we dyed them because, you know, my daughter's really into dyeing eggs. So she gets mad when I eat them because they're dyed. But it's like we have to eat them. So... <laughs> Yeah. And then Laura, I don't think we talked about this, but we both had a plan to not drink wine Monday through Thursday. And I stuck to it. And it has been a great feeling. So yes. check, check, check. I give myself a B plus okay. for the week. All right. How about you? I would say B plus also. I don't think I did all the things that I said I would because I didn't set reminders on my phone so I could check in with myself about, you know, am I drinking enough water? Do I need to get up and move? But I really didn't need to. I have been marking off little boxes on my planner for water, drinking enough water every day. I've walked 12,000 steps at least every single day, according to my aura ring. I just checked yes. my readiness is at an optimal level today. That's what <laughs> readiness lets you know if you should get out and accomplish goals or just lay in bed all day. You know. <laughs> and yeah, I told you that I wanted to be asleep by 11. So to start getting ready for bed around 10 at least. And I have pretty much stuck to that been getting well last night it says I got seven hours and 15 minutes anything over seven hours of sleep is probably good I would love to aim for eight so maybe next week I'll work a little harder on my sleep and I've been exercising and then yeah I mean I was wondering if we were going to talk about it no drinking all week you know that's not a way to de-stress a little toxic after a hard day of course it feels great to pour yourself a glass of wine then it impacts your sleep yeah. and you actually end up more stressed and it's a vicious cycle and yeah just only drinking on the weekends if you do drink is it makes a massive impact Yes, it's been great. And also, I have to add to mine, I've also been working out. I worked out Ooh. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, pretty high intensity. So in addition to my walks, I'm some things are feeling a little tighter on the bod. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm that person where I work out for two days and I'm just like, well, I'm gonna, I can everyone tell? Did I lose 10 pounds my yet? My is <laughs> always like, it takes at least 10 days before you notice any difference. And I'm like, the next day pointing out new lines of definition and stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's going well. We're both feeling really good. And we're going to keep this going as we read this book yes. and beyond. We're going to keep trying to... We're going to hold each other accountable. Yes. <laughs> Great. All right. So let's talk about chapter four, belonging. Belonging is what everyone wants. It's really easy to see this in our students, especially when they're middle school or high school level. You know, a lot of kids desperately want to fit in. And when they feel like they don't belong, the consequences can be really devastating. Yes. She says that the psychiatrist George Valent from the Harvard Grant study, who studied happiness over 75 years or something, said that joy is connection. And the more areas in your life where you can make connections, the better. And we see that, I don't know if you're familiar with the Blue Zones, Adrian. You know the Blue Zone project? Uh, I don't think so. It's that longevity thing where it's 
you know, they studied all these groups around the world where there's really long longevity. And one of the big things is having connections, like having a group of people Mm -hmm. that you're very close with, especially, you know, cultures where maybe you grow up with a group. Sure. It's just one of the things that leads to longevity is connection. So Tina says with new teachers, especially if they feel like they belong at a school, they're much more likely to stick it out. And I would say that's the same thing for SLPs. If you've been to a lot of schools, worked at a lot of schools, you have those schools where you just don't really feel welcome. Maybe they don't even give you a room. You're doing speech therapy out on a picnic bench and you're just you're not a priority for them and doesn't feel good. It's always so frustrating for me, though, because it's like we are providing a service, people, a legally mandated service. Right. Please treat us like we are important here, because if we were not here doing this job, you would be getting dinged by the state and having to pay literal fines. Yeah. So it's a pretty important job. Yeah. Irritating. I would like to say I've never been in that position. I've always pretty much always had a room, maybe not when I was at a preschool, like an early education center. They didn't have a room for me. They kind of had me in the staff break room. It's like more pushing. <laughs> yeah. Or I was pushing it oh, or I was pushing weird. it. If I wanted to pull the kids, I was in there. Right. Okay. So then she includes this great quote from Brene Brown about belonging. She says, Belonging is not fitting in. In fact, fitting in is the greatest barrier to belonging. Fitting in is assessing situations and groups of people, then twisting yourself into a human pretzel in order to get them to let you hang out with them. Belonging is something else entirely. It's showing up and letting yourself be seen and known as you really are. We do this when we're teenagers, especially. I can remember doing this, pretending to like things Mm -hmm. I didn't really like, you know, especially if I liked a boy, just totally changing myself to be what I thought he would want. And that just comes with maturity. You realize that that's never going to work. You have to be yourself around people in order to form real deep connections. Sure. So when you are an educator, you can keep your level of belonging steady by working on the relationships you have in your life with your family, friends, and colleagues. So teachers often will sacrifice those they love at home because they're so focused on the work that they need to do at the school. And you need to make the time to work on those relationships. Be fully present when you're with the people in your life and work on building relationships with your colleagues. Because you need to feel like you belong when you're at work. So just having simple conversations, doing fun activities with people you work with, maybe eating lunch with a work friend. And Tina, as we did at the beginning of this episode where we used some of her questions, she always likes to set up activities for the groups when she conducts trainings with educators. Actually, I had a school... The same school I've talked about in the past where it was the school I loved going to, you know, once a month on Friday afternoons after school, the massive staff meeting or activity or lunch or whatever it was. And we did a team building once. We were in groups of maybe eight to 10 people and they gave us all like 10 pieces of spaghetti and a piece of scotch tape a few inches long. Whoever built the tallest structure with the spaghetti and the tape was the winner. You know, I was in a group with maybe some teachers I hadn't ever really talked to before. And I would encourage SLPs when you're at a school to try to participate in those things as much as you can, because after you do an activity like that with some random teacher that you don't have any kids in their class or whatever, then when you're at the school and you walk by them, 
maybe you laugh or you share a little smile because you yeah. remember when you were trying to tear little pieces of scotch tape and attach them to spaghetti. So I just think sometimes people cringe at those types of activities, right. but they do help you build relationships. I love them. Yeah. So some questions to ask yourself if you're thinking about belonging are, who do you spend the most time with? Are those people lifting you up or weighing you down? Who do you connect with at school? Do your colleagues know anything about your personal life? I have to say, I've always had luck having pretty good SPED teams, special ed teams at all of my schools that I've worked at. And I've always been able to form pretty good connections with at least a couple of the teachers. And it goes a long way. Like as SLPs, we have such isolated jobs. We're kind of like lone wolves, even though we're part of the team. It's really nice to be able to have somebody where you could go to their classroom and just talk to them. You could talk about a student. You don't feel so out of the loop with the school. They might kind of fill you in on stuff that's going on. If you're just even walking across the quad or the lunch area, like during breaks and you see a teacher on duty, you can stop and chat. So, you know, I find it goes a long way towards feeling included. And I know you're kind of a joiner, Laura, like you'll go to like happy hours and stuff. And I'm a little bit less inclined to do that. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm an introvert. I'm kind of like, it's so weird because I think of you as being so social. Like you have a very active social life. You go out and stuff and I'm a, a total homebody. I don't go anywhere. I just stay home all the time. No. Well, you know I'm what? I think excited. it is. I just recognized working in the schools, just like what you said, how isolated speech therapists can be. We're, we don't feel necessarily like we're part of the school all the time, especially if you're an itinerant, you're not an employee of the school, maybe you're an employee of the district or even a contracted employee. And these teachers have maybe worked together for yeah. 15, 20 years. And you're just coming in as this where I worked, the teachers never expected the speech therapist to stick around very long. You know, there was a lot of turnover at every school. So yes. I don't think that they cared to get very close and I saw the difference it made when I got close with the teachers. It's just funny how you get close with some teachers. <laughs> I, we were talking last episode about safety. One time I was interviewing a teacher about a student for an IEP and a lockdown occurred. We were told to stay in place. I couldn't even leave her classroom and go back and work on my reports. I had to stay in her room. It was after school and we were locked down together for maybe an hour and... <laughs> Oh my goodness, did we know a lot about each other by the time we left? I mean, I knew everything about her two kids, who they were yeah. dating, where they went to school. She found out everything about myself and my fiance. And then that connection that we had after that, we were not close. I almost thought she was a little bit abrasive before that. And then we formed such a bond. So yeah. you just never know people you might form a connection with and what I would say hmm. to new speech therapists who don't feel like they're a part of a school. The yes. biggest thing I learned is not when you have a student whose IEP is coming up, not to give the teacher a questionnaire to fill out, but rather to go and speak to the teacher. First of all, teachers don't have time to fill those out. They have so much on their plate and then to give them this thing that then they have looming like, oh, I've got to turn that thing into the speech yeah, therapist. Yeah. If you just say, hey, could I catch you like at recess or, you know, could I just chat with you for five minutes? That is so much easier right. for a teacher and you get so much you get so much information and you build that bond with them. It's a good tip. 
yeah, yeah, it's, it can be tough, but you do have to put in a little effort. And I think the effort put in, you receive it back. Yeah. Over time. Yeah, for sure. All right. So some belonging strategies, Tina says, choose a couple to start doing. One is to commit to truly being present when you're with your family or friends, make dates with loved ones and put them on a calendar so that you think of them as very important and necessary to do. Use social media to create a sense of belonging for yourself and make sure the groups you join lift you up. Start a positive email exchange with a group of friends where you share three positive things about your day. I kind of liked that one. I don't know. I didn't understand exactly how it works, but she said to put three little plus signs in the subject line so that the people receiving it know, oh, this is going to be a really positive email. Yeah, I thought that was sweet. I used to work with an OT who was so negative. Mm -hmm. At first, I liked kind of gossiping about things at the school with her. By about six months in, I was so over the negativity. She always just, whenever we were Mm. together at the school, she wanted to just talk about everything that was wrong and everything that was bad. And it just was Mm. dragging me down. The OT at my other school knew her and she was like giving me suggestions like, oh, just put your headphones in and act like you're listening to a student, (laughs) like an assessment you're doing or so. You know, we were trying to like brainstorm how I could avoid talking to her. Oh, no. Can be a drag. Adding in some positivity could really change everything. Okay. And then she says, join community groups that have a shared interest and let go of toxic relationships, which are any relationships where the other person does not wish you well or generally affects you negatively. Tina's own strategies that she employed when she was working on belonging were she dropped a book club that she didn't really feel a part of and joined another one where she had more deep connections. She puts her phone away when she's with her loved ones. Her husband and her go on a date night every week. She attends events with colleagues like happy hours or birthday parties, blocks or hides negativity on social media and schedules dates with people on her calendar. So if you want to create an action plan because you feel like you don't have a strong sense of belonging, go back in this chapter and circle the strategies that you want to try, narrow them down to a reasonable number, and consider how much time you have in your schedule. Decide what days you're going to employ each strategy and put them on a planner or calendar, and then keep it up for seven days and record how you feel after you use each strategy, and then reflect after a week. I don't know, Adrian. now that we have this podcast, my sense of belonging is like really elevated. Oh my God, good. <laughs> we connect, we talk about stuff every single week and in between recordings, yeah. we're texting nonstop. So I just feel like this is an area where I'm, I'm feeling yes. pretty good. Yeah, I have been feeling really great that we have consistency in our friendship now, right? We see each other for the recording. We have shared goals that we're working on, which is really great. And in fact, I was just sitting here. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. I was listening to you talk and I was thinking about that first day of grad school yeah. where we like locked eyes and we were like, oh my gosh, we know each other from undergrad, but we didn't like know each other from undergrad, right? We just kind of like recognized each other. <laughs> and I remember you like kind of scurried over to me. You're like, oh my God, I know you. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In that moment, if somebody would have told me you guys are going to have a podcast together 10 years from now, I would have 
thought like, oh my God, that's crazy. But here we are. It's such a fun journey. I know. <laughs> what a journey. Look at us now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to agree. I feel my belonging step of my personal ladder, it feels pretty intact. I do not have a lot of work to do necessarily in that area. Well, Adrian, one thing I did, you've mentioned because you're a teletherapist working in a school that you've faced a little bit of a a feeling like you're not a part of the school or included as much because you're not there in person. Yes, that has been pretty tough. And, you know, it kind of depends on the culture of the school. So one school that I worked at was a remote academy. So everybody at that school was remote. The kids were all remote from home. The teachers were all remote. And that I definitely felt like people were seeking connection because everyone was kind of at home. So I would have more chats with other service providers or the teacher. We would linger after IEPs to chat. And that was a really great feeling. But my current placement, I'm a teletherapist at a brick and mortar school. So it's just like a normal elementary school where everybody is there, but they couldn't find a speech pathologist. And so the contract company that I worked at placed me there. And I have to admit, it has been a little bit rocky. Like, it's just really hard to feel like part of the community. And I'm just trying to do my job really, really well. You know, like I show up, I'm working hard. I invited the principal, like come and watch our sessions so that you can believe that teletherapy is, you know, it works. It's evidence-based. I try to invite and I try to connect with the teachers when I can during IEPs, but it's still just, I think it's a different model and people aren't very sure of it. So there's some like teletherapy stigmas and stereotypes that need to be fought and that can kind of be barriers towards creating good relationships. But I try to just put my best foot forward, be really friendly, be really engaging and encourage everybody. I'm here. You can email me. We can hop on a you know video call. But yeah, it's been kind of tough. I've been connecting with the kids. And for me, that's like paramount. So as long as we're having fun and I'm seeing progress, you know, that's what I have to feel good about, I guess. <laughs> yeah, of course. This is just teletherapy. You know, there's pros and cons. And I think one of the cons is just it's much harder to connect with coworkers. But yeah. Yeah. All right. So that is it for today's episode of the SLP Book Club. We were covering chapter four of Take Time for You. This was about belonging. I know that we are going to be continuing to build our ladders. I'm going to continue with these, the action plan I've set for physiological needs. I feel good about my safety right now. In terms of belonging, I might start, well, this weekend, I'm going to focus, really, really focus on being very present when I am hanging out with my fiance. I think sometimes I can be a little distracted. So that's going to be my number one is putting down my phone, putting down my work, not you know, making products and editing the podcast, <laughs> just really being present. And then we'll check in next time to see how things are going as we implement these action plans. Sounds good. See you all next time. Bye, Adrian. Bye, Laura. The SLP Book Club is not just a podcast. It's a community. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash the SLP book club to join the discussion after each episode. Want even more of the SLP book club? We've made all the resources for this book, including chapter summaries and visuals available for free on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash the SLP book club to download these great materials. 
To learn more about the SLP Book Club, go to theslpbookclub.com. You can contact us by emailing hello at theslpbookclub.com. Follow us on Instagram at slp underscore book club. Find us on TikTok at the SLP Book Club. 